Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is August the 16th, 2022. Middle of August, the middle, perhaps, of the month of love. There's not much else to do in August. People don't seem to work, certainly in Europe. In America, of course, people work all the time, but uh, August is the month of love. We've done some shows on love before, not always in August. Did a conversation with the writer Deborah Spar on how social media is killing romantic love. She has an interesting book new out called Work, Mate, Marry, Love, How Machines Shape Our Human Destiny. Um, we've also, of course, done a, a show about COVID and love, did one with the author Laura Kipnis, how COVID is reshaping our concepts of dating, love, and sex. She has an interesting book out, Love in the Time of Contagion. Love isn't just about romance, though. It might also be about work. We did a show with the business writer Matthew Buckingham about how work sometimes does indeed love us back. He has an interesting book out, Love and Work. What we haven't done is a book about love and astrology, but that's going to change today with my guest, Natasha Sislo. Um, she has a, a, a lovely new book out. It's out, uh, I think, yesterday or today, All Signs Point to Paris, a memoir of love, loss, and destiny all built around astrology. And Natasha is joining us from the Soho Grand Hotel in New York appropriate place for love. Natasha, congratulations, first of all, on this new book. It's your first, right? Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Thank you for that. And thank you for having me. I'm truly honored. Um, well, the honor is mine, Natasha. Um, this is a very revealing book. It's an autobiography. You've really put yourself out there. How difficult was it to write this book? Not just in terms of the actual writing, but of revealing yourself warts and all yeah you know i guess there's a couple different layers of that part of me at times felt like i wasn't revealed it was just me and my computer you know so uh the reality of it today on a day like today on pub day feels a little different than when i was writing it um and then also while i was writing it it took a while to reveal those warts you know i started would write and then i would look back at something and realize, no, that's not my truth. I'm writing how I want to be, not how I am. And so, um, you know, it was a, it was a real process and some of it was really, really hard. And some of it just came and just kind of, um, you know, lots of ebbs and flows throughout the whole thing. And I, I made it, I guess, cause today's the day. Today certainly is the day you write. I'd given up, you'd given up on finding love. And that triggers the beginning of the book and of this adventure that leads you to Paris. Tell me a little bit about yourself and why you'd given up. Yeah, um, at that point in my life where the story begins, I really had given up. Um, it was 2018 and I was divorced. I had a rough divorce, as most divorces probably are. Um, my business collapsed. I filed bankruptcy. My dog died. Um, 
uh, I was just really struggling um, to find my way and rebuild my career. I started working. You did have um, a couple of lovely, and you do still have a couple of lovely kids. So it wasn't as. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mother of two children. They were um, eight and 11 then. They're teenagers now. And, um, you know, I was, a, you know, a single working mom just trying to, you know, rebuild. And at the same time, I just had a breakup with um, somebody that I'd met after my divorce that I thought was the love of my, the second love of my life and, or the real love of my life. And it, it turned out that he was not. And so I was a little heart, very heartbroken about Natasha, that. I would have told you that one though. This guy was a, a, a Porsche driving Frenchman in Los Angeles. I mean, yeah. surely all your friends warned you about him. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. They would, they would say to me, but you know, he's French. Um, and I felt mad. Yeah, his name was Philippe. Um, yeah. And look, I'm quoting you here. You say he was handsome, French, tan, and most of all fun. I didn't know that French men could be fun, but that's another story. Um, Natasha, do you think falling for Philippe was actually a form of self-deception, that it was your problem rather than his? Uh, yeah, um, I, I think it was both, you know, we were both newly divorced and we, you know, thought we would know each other for one night and it turned into one week to one month to one year to almost five years. And, but it was, you know, it was a bit of a post-divorce relationship where, you know, we were drinking and smoking and just having just so much fun whenever we didn't have the kids. And then when we tried to actually put real life together, that was another story. So when I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, the beautiful joie de vivre kind of romance that we had had to end, I was heartbroken. And on top of that, um, and lastly, I found out that my father had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. He had pulmonary fibrosis and it had taken a turn and he had a few months left to live. And I just... I had I had given up. I just lost. Yeah, and you call him, and he, 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 he unfortunately is oh. no longer around. But you call him the great Bob Sisley. He looks and sounds like a wonderful man. Oh, he's a wonderful man. That's gonna make me cry. He's he he was a wonderful man, and I still feel his spirit here with me. And so I feel like he is still wonderful. Um, salt of the earth from Detroit. Great father. Great husband. Great friend. Great you know intellect, very, a man of science and logic, and and yet he kind of believed in big dreams too, which I almost didn't even know until his deathbed. And he set me on this, this adventure. I mean, it was him. It was him, his, his dying words to me. So. so let's get to the adventure. All signs point to Paris. Your life is breaking up. You still have a pretty good job. I mean, you're a, you're a real estate uh, saleswoman, and, and that's a um, that's a, a lucrative business, and you're a, a top seller. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the business has its ups and downs, but yeah. Um, yeah. So you're not on the street. You still got your kids, but things yeah. are bad. Uh, you're breaking up with Philly, this Porsche driving Frenchman, um, and then what? So my best friend Nicole, who is has been my best friend, you know, since my early twenties. She's a little woo-woo and out. I used to call her this, right? A little out there. She believed in astrologers and psychics and, I mean, any kind of spiritual new age, um, self-improvement or, you know, kind of thing. She was into it. 
She um, doesn't have to be from Venice Beach, does she? No, no, she's not from Venice, but she does live in LA. But you're um, from the Palisades, so you're very much an LA girl. Yeah, yeah. Nicole lives in Beverly Hills. Um, but I, so Nicole uh, said, you know, Natasha, let me gift you an astrology reading for your birthday. She knew I was having a hard time and she had been seeing this very well-known astrologer for a very long time. And normally I would have said to her, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is so not my path. Like I, you know, I made fun of people who would try to tell me about my, you know, what it meant to be a Libra or, you know, my sun sign or my moon sign. But that year, I think I had hit a wall and I realized I had to do something different and I was just at rock bottom. So I said, yes. And I had a reading with, uh, Stephanie Jordan is her name. She's a, an astrologer who has, you know, a year wait list and somehow, I don't know, Nicole got me an appointment for my birthday and I gave her my birthday place and time and where were you born what, what's your birthday i was born um on october 7th 1974 in santa monica mm. yeah but more importantly was philippe's birthday. Uh, he was born on november 2nd 1968 in paris and so, uh, that was the key birthday that drove the narrative or drives the narrative in yeah. your new book all signs yeah. point to paris yeah um so Philippe's born, um, sorry, Philippe's born on November the 2nd, 1968. And what does um, your astrologer tell you? Or what do you, what, do you what, what plot do you hatch with your astrologer? Well, I went into the reading not believing in it, right? So the first thing I said to her was, just so you know, I don't believe in astrology. And she said, that's okay, you don't have to. She probably doesn't either, right? Well, I mean, she was, as soon as I started talking to her, no, she definitely believes in astrology, and I do too now. Um, and she just was so different than the stereotypes that I had formed in my own mind about headscarves and crystal balls. And I mean, she was just so, and by the way, this was over the phone. This wasn't even in person. And, but she pulled up my birth chart and she explained kind of a few things that may have happened in my life. And I mean, she was so spot on about so many things. She, from, from the way I dressed to almost drowning at a certain age to um, being expelled from boarding school to having a career in my early 20s as a writer. I was a magazine writer, but I'd given that up 20 something years ago to my father being ill, to him passing and where, you know, how his spirit was funny and would remain by my side. And she, there were too many things that she was saying to me that resonated beyond coincidence and beyond me needing to doubt. You know, I, I just let go and I, and I, I, I was a full-on believer, honestly, within the first five minutes. And by the time we got to the end of the hour, she said to me, do you have any other questions? And I said, well, could you just look up a birth chart of somebody I just can't get over? And what, what is it? You know, I wanted to understand it. Like, why was he the one? I wanted to know, did I make a mistake by ending this relationship? And so I looked it up. I did make a little mistake at first. There was a kind of a back and forth between the right birthday because I'm very bad with birthdays. But at the end, she basically told me that November 2nd, 1968, Paris, which is Philippe's birthday. I didn't have the time, which is very important in astrology. Um, so she just put in 12 noon. But she said, this person, this man is in line with your point of destiny. I mean, there was some, you know, some planet in the house of husband. And by the way, I don't understand astrology, nor do I pretend to be an authority on it or could 
even tell you one thing about it because I, I it's a very complicated system. So, but I just listened to her and she told me that, you know, this person's in line with your point of destiny. He's, he's the one or could be the one and something like that. So I, um, I didn't take that well <laughs> because, and then my sister called me and she told me, um, she called me and she told me that my father had two weeks left to live and, and he was called, he, he was trying to figure out how he wanted to go. Pulmonary fibrosis is a very difficult um, ending. And he had qualified for um, aid in dying. And uh, he was trying to decide how, what he wanted to do and how he wanted his last moments to be. And so um, that's when I really hit rock. I thought I was at rock bottom before. I mean, the floor dropped out. I thought my one chance at true love is, you know, this guy who, you know, w had moved on by the way. And my father, is you know leaving and he was really my core and my rock um just such a good man and and uh and so i fell apart in the shower as a lot of people do and then i saw this photo when i got out of the shower of um a photo of me at, i think at age six and i just had so much hope and i believed in everything then i believed in love and I believed in, I don't know, forever. I believed in, you know, just that anything was possible. And I turned the photo over and my dad had written a quote on the back. I used to listen, or I, I used to read, he would read Shel Silverstein to me. I still love Shel Silverstein. And there's a poem called Listen to the Mustn'ts. And the last two lines in that poem are, anything can happen, child. Anything can be. And I had lost that. And it just, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just, a shell of a human because I was just so beat down by life and and I don't know it just lifted me and I thought I'm gonna find every other man that's born on November 2nd 1968 in Paris because he's not the only one I thought it was a brilliant idea I mean it was kind of in jest at first and it was just like I felt like I'd solved you know a math equation that could never be solved or you know got out of checkmate um, and then when I went to go see my father to have that family meeting, that was a hard meeting. That was a hard meeting because it was his last days. It was really the last conversation I had with him and he was crying. He was married to my mom for 56 years. My father was a really wonderful, um, and your mom to... is also a top producer, right? Uh, yeah, Edna. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah. Yep. That's how I got into real estate. Edna and they were married for what? 50 years? I think 56. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she's from Scotland and he just, you know, he was from Detroit. They met in LA. They had this beautiful love story. I mean, they were quirky and, you know, they were, you know, my quirky parents, but they were really a true love story. And and he started crying when I went to see him. My mom wasn't there, but my sister was. He started crying really on his deathbed that he was not going to be able to stay around. He really helped. My mom came, when she came from Scotland, she came with $40 in her pocket. She grew up um, quite poor. And he really took care of her and they built a life up together and, and he just didn't want to leave her and he promised that he never would. And I think it was just breaking his heart. So, um, he started crying and then, um, my sister said, you know, lighten things up, please Tosh. Cause it's getting, you know, this is hard. So I said, Hey dad, <laughs> I had this meeting with an astrologer. What do you think? And I told him the whole story and there was some light, funny moments. And we, we, we kind of, our family goes through 
heavy moments with humor, kind of a always look on the bright side of life, you know, make lemons out of lemonade kind of world. And so I told him this idea that I was going to go to Paris to track down everybody because of an astrology reading. And, and I thought, oh man, I'm going to just give him a heart attack at the end of his life. I mean, he was attached to, you know, oxygen. It was just a, a pretty grim scene. And um, he was trying to figure out how he was going to die. And, and I'm talking about astrology and chasing down, you know, random people in Paris. And, and he said, um, he said, it sounds like I'll meet you there. You know, he said, he said, he said, hey, no, he said, it sounds like you're going to Paris. I'll meet you there. And I said, really, your ghost would go all the way to Paris to meet me? And he said, yeah, just make sure you check ID. Um, and after, and it became light. His, those, those dying moments that were so heavy just seconds before it turned into joy and shared stories of all the crazy things that he did for love. And, you know, it turned into really one of the most beautiful moments I've ever had with any human being on this planet, but particularly with him. And it was the greatest gift that, that he could have given me because after he passed away, I really, um, grief hit me hard and I wasn't prepared for that. I couldn't get off the floor. You know, I couldn't get off the couch and I was trying to raise, you know, I get to take care of two kids and I have to work and trying to sell houses. And, you know, like we all, we all go through it in some way or another, you know, but I was not prepared for it. And, and then I remembered, um, his words that I'll meet you in Paris. And, and I, and I heard Stephanie's recording again, that there was an adventure on the horizon and, and, you know, it all kind of came together and I decided I'm going to do this. And I did. And I did. And that's really my story and kind of the well, wild. Why did you decide to put it into a book? Well, that happened right when I came back, actually. I came back. Well, you know, Stephanie had told me in that reading that your point of destiny is to tell a story. And she told me that, you know, real estate is something you're very good at. Keep doing that. And I am. <laughs> um, but she also said, you know, you're, it doesn't give your soul satisfaction like being a writer does. And I think when she probably mentioned that, I thought she was crazy because I was just trying to figure out, you know, that moment in my life. But I, something probably, I felt it in my heart a tiny bit. And then I started documenting this whole thing just for my friends. And because, well, it was very hard to track down men born on November 2nd in 1968 in Paris, by the way. I thought it would be easy. I thought I could Google this get on a plane to Paris, meet with a bunch of people. And I was convinced that I was going to, um, it would just be this simple process. And it, it wasn't. Was the most, uh, uh, um, Natasha, it was the most romantic year, 1968, of course, May 68, which by yeah. August had become not quite as romantic, but uh, it, it was, uh, people were lucky to be born on uh, uh, in 1968, did you find did, did, in your story and in your research and in your meetings in Paris, um, did 1968 come up, so to speak? Say that, say that again. Did 1968, as the year of the Romantic Year of Revolution, did it come up? But really a, a film called The Dreamers about 1968 in Paris. So many riots, romantic yeah. ideas. Yeah, it, it didn't really come up because um, maybe if I was meeting with their mothers, it would come up, you know, but with any people that were born in 68, it didn't. But I was aware that 68, you know, I, uh, to other people that I 
was, you know, telling them what I was doing, like, oh, 68 in Paris, that was, you know, there was a lot going on. Um, so mildly where they replaced, you know, where they dug up the, the paving stones and found the beach. Yeah, so you know more than I do. I don't even think I know the, the full history of 68 in Paris. Well, maybe that can be part two. So did you meet any nice Frenchmen there? I met so many incredible people. I can't even tell you. I, I was shocked about how many incredible people I met. With the right birthday, with the wrong birthday, men, women. Um, I mean, I had I had strangers putting up posters all over the city for me. I had, you know, people meeting with private detectives for me. I went on, you know, dates with, you know, I, it was a, it was a, incredible. I posted in a Facebook group. All these strangers showed up to a bar. To I mean, it was like, I've. It was a really weird thing that happened because it was. I was kind of obsessed. I was grieving, really. What I was doing was grieving. I didn't know that I was. Um, and I was also searching for love and healing and growing and and it was a lot happening, but um, how long were you there in Paris? I was there for less than a week. It was quick. Yeah, really fast. But it sounds like it's been an entire a, year. A, kind of a, a cinematic quality to it. Um, I, I think of Goddard's film Breathless with mm. uh, Jean Seberg, wonderful film, very romantic about Paris. Was Paris more for you at the backdrop to this grieving or to romance or to both? I mean, it could have been Tulsa and it wouldn't have mattered if that's what Stephanie would have said, you know, if that's how. It, it, it didn't. It didn't matter that it was Paris, but it certainly didn't hurt. And Paris is such a beautiful, wonderful city, um, and so you know, it was a, it was a joy to. Did be. you find? I mean, do you feel that you, you know, you say you'd given up, and this trip to Paris, this enabled you to have a, a second life, essentially. Yeah, yeah, totally changed my life. Completely changed my life. It opened my eyes to. Uh, those around me, it opened my eyes to who I was as a grown woman, uh, what I was searching for all my life, which, you know, I mean, these things sound so cliche, because, you know, you say, oh, you know, everything you have is within, that's true, and I had to go on this journey to do it, and, and um, yeah, I, I, it changed my whole life, everything, everything. And what about the book? You found an agent. You write in the book about yeah. your agent. Yeah, she found me. I, I, she, so to answer your question from before, I came back from Paris. I was scattering my father's ashes. And I got an email from um, an, a literary agent. And, and I didn't know who she was. And I didn't know who she met me through. It was like through six degrees of separation. Somebody who had seen my Instagram. And she looked at it and said, I... You're very cool. I, I'm not on Instagram, but I looked you up on Instagram, and you have a lovely Instagram page. Oh yeah, that's my that's my um, real estate Instagram. So it's a different uh, Instagram so from my a private Instagram, anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was using it as kind of a diary. That's how I was processing everything, and people were asking me for updates, and so I was kind of I had been writing in you know 200 characters or whatever Instagram was. So she read through that, and she said, you know, I think that there's a story here. If you ever would have it in you to write a book, you know, I would love to have a conversation with you. And um, that was a very surreal and strange moment because I felt like, well, I don't know, it was something that my astrologer had even mentioned. And I hadn't 
thought about in those ways. And it took me a good six months to actually really commit to the idea of it because that felt pretty scary. I mean, I was a writer in my early 20s for magazines. Writing a book is a very different adventure and it's really, you know, scary and big. And and um, luckily, I you know, I had help. I had a great agent and a great editor who helped me and and it and it seems to have worked out but um it was a it was frightening at first it's frightening today you know who's gonna um who's gonna play you in the movie natasha <laughs> i don't know about that one it's a very cinematic narrative and story you being in la going to paris um what what did you learn as a as a as a writer? There are many people like yourself mm -hmm. who've been through one kind of grief or another, romantic, personal, family, yeah. want to write a book. You're very unusual in that the project actually has resulted in this book, and you're now at the you know as we speak, you're in the Soho Grand in New York. You're on book tour, very glamorous. Mm -hmm. What did you learn that you you would advise other people, particularly women who want to write about their lives? And who won it published? Right. Um, I, gosh, there's probably so many different things that I've learned along the way that I don't know how to send them up as just one or two. But I mean, to just write, even if I, I committed, when I committed to do this, I told my agent, I'm going to give you the, and this is a, from the famous Anne Lamont, but who says it much more beautifully than I'm going to, but I'm going to give you the worst draft ever. And once I gave myself the space to be a bad writer, and I could just fill the pages because what am I going to do with a blank page, right? As long as there's something on a page I can edit. And I, there was a lot of rewriting. There was a lot of rewriting. So just do it and keep going and move forward. And, you know, I wanted to stop and I wanted to, you know, go watch TV or I did this during the pandemic. I, you know, was trying to do anything else, but I just... Every single day, I watched my daughter who was being homeschooled at the time. And she says, oh, I have to write a 20-page essay today. And I thought... And I'm complaining about trying to write a paragraph. What am I doing? You know, this is a gift. This is a gift. So just keep going. Just keep going. You know, and um, and be kind to other writers because it's scary. And find a community of writers. Um, so when you say space to be a bad writer, you mean just do it? Yeah, just do it. Just do it. And and even on the days where I thought I can't do it, I would find something that would be peripheral to writing, or I would edit something, or I would make a playlist about a chapter because still that would somehow lead to something that moved it forward. Just don't, just keep moving, just keep moving, you know, because if I can do it, you can do it, you know. Well, I was going to say in another part is I really thought that writing a book it all landed on me and that's not true. I had help. I have a great editor. I have a, my agent saw a lot of drafts, way more than, you know, probably she ever wanted to. But I, you know, asked for help. And and um, you know, if I couldn't and I did a lot of research. My I documented everything on this trip, but I wanted to be very honest on the page. And so, you know, even asking my mother details about her life and going back to my boarding school and asking my sister to get into a Google Doc and to, you know, did you remember yeah. it like this? Here we have an image of you and your sister dancing in Paris. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting, um, Natasha, I did a show last month with a Canadian writer, Leah McLaren, mm. who wrote a rather pointed um, autobiography of her relationship with her mother, 
which her mother is very angry about. Um, do you think that Philippe will read this? Well, how is he going to feel about it? <laughs> you know, I give I, I he has he's read it. I gave him a copy. You're not back with him, though. I mean, you. No, 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 no. Good. Um, but I love him to my core, and he's very supportive, um, as is my ex-husband. Like anybody who is in it, um, who plays a major part, I, I tried to send them a draft of it after I was done, and you know, gave them, asked them if they had any problems with anything. I, I don't know what I would have done if they did. I probably would have, you know, depended what it was. But um, nobody had a problem with any of it. Um, in fact. They supported me and my relationships have only um has this improved your yeah your uh, your love uh, your love life um well that's an interesting it, uh, how you define, yeah how you define love life i mean i don't know i think i have to leave some of that like for a little bit of mystery to read the book but it did um definitely expand my love life in in ways that i didn't see coming yeah and uh, I looked up actually November the second, nineteen sixty-eight, and the only person who is famous who was born then was a, the Playboy model Brandy Brandt, who was jailed for cocaine smuggling. So okay. um, there aren't that many famous people born on November second, nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah, it was hard, honestly. It was, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe more will pop out of the, you know ether now that there's a book in print maybe this maybe this is the best advertising i could have done well it's certainly a wonderful story all signs point to paris a memoir of love loss and destiny by first time writer natasha sislow it's many i think it's many people's dream to write this kind of biography autobiography you've actually done it congratulations mm -hmm. natasha. Thank you so much. it's quite an achievement on lots of levels very i mean you minimalize it i think it's, it's it's an enormous achievement what else are you reading in addition to uh, your new book all signs point to power uh, i just finished zane asher's where the children take us i loved love i mean she's such a beautiful writer and it's such a beautiful story of a mother's strength um and let's see uh michelle's honor the uh, crying in h mart i you know i didn't read for while i was writing this whole thing so i feel like i just want to soak up all this stuff that i've missed um Jenny Mullen, City of Likes, that's, you know, something a little lighter, but I, you know, just loved it. I feel like spending time with a girlfriend. Um, oh, uh, uh, Delia um, Left on 10th. I'm listening to the audiobook. I love her voice. Um, Delia Efron. And yeah, I'm just trying to soak in as much as I can right now. This, any any kind of typically a story that centers around women's stories, because I feel like growing up, I, I was reading a lot of stories that, that weren't women's narratives. So that's really what I'm kind of diving into right now.